Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Here's an old classic that sounds just as good today as it did when we were kids.
Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. How are you? We are all over the musical landscape. Diversity, right? Yeah, man. Uh, so let's uh, let's have an open mind for today's show, because again, we're going to hit some heavy metal, we're going to hit some new metal, we're going to hit some alternative, we're going to hit some outlaw country, we're going <laughs> to be all over the place. I love it, though, I love it, because I'm a diverse guy when it... Uh, when it comes to the music myself but let's uh let's let's talk about who's on the show first of all we got uh Wes Scatlin from the band Puddle of Mud so he's going to be joining me in a bit for like a 10 minute interview and then we also got Will Will Palmer from the band Angel Witch we just heard some old school Angel Witch right here that was Extermination Day now that was actually recorded in 1980 it's from the BBC show Friday Rock uh, it's the Friday Rock Show, which was done by the BBC. Uh, yeah, and Will wasn't playing on that because Will wasn't in the band back in those days. But he is a part of this legendary band, the new wave of British heavy metal band Angel Witch. And I'm excited for their new album. And Will's going to tell us all about it. And he is keeping the angel witch flag flying of course with kevin and man such good stuff love angel witch and i'm so glad he's uh, joining us here on the podcast so we will hear some new music from angel witch and talk with will palmer the current bassist of angel witch in just a bit Man, I got so much stuff to do, like in my real life, but I've just been sitting here all morning, like listening to music, thinking about what I want to play for you guys, and uh, <laughs> like I said, we're all over the place, but um, first, let's take a trip back to what I thought was a pretty strong year in hard rock and heavy metal and loud rock, if you will, 2007, man. Back in that time, I had no kids. I had been married two years at that point, and uh, life was a lot different, man. I, I was living in Jersey City, not out here in the suburbs. Actually, I moved to Maplewood, the New Jersey suburbs, about 20 miles from New York City, in 2007 with my wife, Emily, before we had our son, Harrison, who was born in 2008. My dog, Ozzy, we got him in 2007. Just sharing my personal memories of 2007, but I, I remember a lot of good music coming out at that time uh the talking metal podcast was a mere two years old at that point but let's uh let's go revisit some music that i really dug that was released back in 2007 this is exodus with the song riot act Oh! So we can't stop fire, riot act. Now we're 
one written by Gary Holt right there. Of course, Jack Gibson on the bass. Rob Dukes, a guy who I got to know and still know. Talk with him frequently on the phone. Love Rob Dukes. He's on vocals on that one. Riot Act by Exodus from 2007. Keeping the 2007 theme going, this is Sign of Fear by Primal Fear.
a little primal fear here on Talking Metal. My name is Mark Striegel. I am in the time machine with you right now. We are back in 2007, rocking it. And let's keep it going with the good music that was uh, some great music that was released back in 2007. This is By Our Brotherhood with Seth. No idea what that means, <laughs> but the band, the Vision Bleak, I don't know much about these guys, but I was jamming this song back in 2007 quite a bit on my iPod. Remember those things? Uh, yeah, this is by the German goth metal band, the Vision Bleak, and again, the song is By Our Brotherhood with Seth here on Talking Metal.
Division Bleak here on Talking Metal. All right, let's get out of 2007. Get uh, get back into the future, right? Back to the future. Here we are. Um, all right, so we are in 2019, and Angel Witch is about to release a brand new record, which I am completely psyched for. The great heavy metal band Angel Witch. When you think of the new wave of British heavy metal, you think of, of course, Iron Maiden and Def Leppard, but you also think of bands like Angel Witch, Saxon, Diamond Head, Raven, so much good stuff. I would even throw it like Girl School in there, right? Holocaust. Some people, some people say Motorhead. I I don't say Motorhead because to me they they had a different thing going. They were ahead of that movement, and I don't know. A lot of people argue with that with me, but I don't include Motorhead in the new wave of British heavy metal movement. Maybe they overlapped with it a little bit, but. The same way, you don't include Judas Priest with that. You don't, you know, I mean, Motorhead were doing it before then, you know? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just don't include Motorhead in that movement. Um, people tell me I'm wrong when I say that. But anyways, all right. So anyways, this is Will Palmer. And again, he is the current bassist in Angel Witch. He wasn't a part of the, the classic era of that band, but he is flying the flag high for them and doing them right. I love what they're up to. This song's great. This is Brand New Angel Witch right here on Talking Metal. Don't Turn Your Back, followed by my interview with Angel Witch bassist Will Palmer.
it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal and calling in for the first time ever from the great band Angel Witch, bassist Will Palmer. How are you, Will? Yeah, doing good, man. Good. How are you? Good. Where are you at today? You in the UK? Where, where are you yeah, calling I'm, in from? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the office of the record label I run, and I uh, took delivery of a load of Angel Witch LPs today, which I'm doing help. I'm doing the UK mail order for this one because oh, wow. the label let me have it for ourselves. Um, so, yeah, I just carried about 300 vinyl down the stairs and um, – <laughs> sort of staring at it, wishing I hadn't signed up for this, you know? Right. Well, you're getting a workout there, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Let's, let's, uh, I want to hear about the label and uh, what you, what you do with that, but let's start talking about the new album by Angel Witch, which uh, I've heard the the song Don't Turn Your Back, which uh, I love it. The production is exactly what I want. The the style, the song, great stuff. And again, the new album, I believe out November 1st, Angel one, of yeah. Light by Angel Witch. How does this album vary from As Above, So Below in your in your mind? I, I mean, it's, it, you know, the rule tends to be, you know, when you're doing promo for a new record, you throw the old one under the bus. Okay. Um, but in this case, I just think it's, it's kind of true. It's just better. Um, there's no real stylistic shift. You know, in what we're doing, I just think we planned it better. We rehearsed it better. We are playing better as a unit. So it was easier for the songs to come together. Um, and it just, uh, it, it feels to me that there's, it's kind of, there's less flab on the songs, you know, it's kind of more muscular. It's like the songs are lean, you know, they get to the point better. Um, and, uh, and then I think the production is, Oh, and it blew my mind, really. That yeah, the guy, sounds the, great. The way it kind of, you know, he kept it simple. Well, you know, the, our drummer, with not a single drum edit on the record, it was a real point of principle for that guy, you know. So every time there was a kick drum out of place, we all had to troop back into the room and play the song together again. And uh, it was really like, you know, uh, I think because we'd been rehearsing a lot harder than we did previously, we were able to do that, but it's still kind of hard, you know. Um and then, you know, we didn't spend too long tracking too many guitars in terms of like layers and layers of rhythms. We spent a long time just getting the amp sounding good and, and just trying to be, trying to make the thing like a live, you know, you don't want to try and, we didn't want to try and make a re, like a retro record, you know, but we wanted to make a record that sounded like a, a heavy metal record, you know, like from the ones that we listened to. Um, we didn't want computer drums. We didn't want sort of you know cut and paste guitars we wanted just the sound of four guys in a room playing through old marshals and on you know a big old 70s kit um and so you know you spend a lot of time on that stuff but it's not actually you know you're spending more time just trying to get all the mics placed right and to try and you know get the takes rather than spending a long time like fixing things up you know um it sounds like it's uh, like a real organic uh, approach, yeah. you know, as opposed yeah. to like you're saying, oh, replace that kick drum with a sample. Oh, let's use the Kemper no, and just yeah. plug directly in. And None of that. Right. That's awesome. And, That's awesome. And, uh, you, know, it's, you know, the thing is, yeah, if you use a Kemper, you can get a tone and, you know, you can just dial it up and away you go. But we just we were just going through amp head after amp head after speaker cabinet after speaker cabinet, you know. And, of course, we ended up back using just Kevin's 
head that he's had since like you know 1979 or whatever <laughs> you know just right. well let's just use this and oh look that look funny that but that sounds exactly like angel witch yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely and you, you mentioned kevin how does the songwriting process work do you do you guys all collaborate with kevin or is it well more he different? writes it he yeah. starts it you know um and i'd say that you know 90 percent of it is him um, but we kind of get involved in, he'll send us demos over, you know, uh, he's worked up at home on a, on a, you know, just a, using a, the computer, just actually got, um, got a drum kit in the office here, like a digital one, which we'll be, when we go on tour, we'll be driving down when we pick him up and you're leaving that with him. So he can actually start playing drums on the demos, right, right. um, and for the next record. And, um, so he come, he brings them in, we've learned them. Um, prior to the rehearsals and then we kind of really will be vocal about arrangement ideas and stuff like that you know um he's open to it uh and then you know there's this sort of 10 percent at the end where it sort of morphs because we're all bringing uh just our own flavor to it but it's not really in never in the riffs you know it's always just kind of in the way tempo shifts or maybe we should actually drop that riff or maybe we extend that there. Maybe that'd be a good place for a solo. Have you thought about that? You know, this sort of stuff, you know, I mean, um, but it's Kev's songs and, and, you know, and me and Jim have helped out with some lyrics and stuff on the record, but I mean, you know, uh, it's just Kevin's band, man. That's what, right. that's, that's what the sound of angel, which is, is kind of what's come out of his head. Right on. And, you know, obviously you've been with the, the band, I think, well over a decade at this point. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but Kevin, he's been doing this since the 70s. You know, one of the yep. uh, the innovators of the new wave of British heavy metal movement. Uh, how how much of that history and band legacy comes into play when when you're working on music or getting sounds in the studio is that always kind of on your mind or we need to kind of stay true to the legacy well, or not really sort of is to me yeah um and i think understandably it's sort of so kev but i mean the, the thing that it's a weird one because you know, on one hand like kev of course loves what he does because he's it's his, it was his vision that he came in the late 70s you know what angel which went on to do was ahead of its time um but i think you know uh then bands see other things happening and there, there are some wilderness years records there where it was like sort of playing catch up a little bit, you know, and trying to, the one that was, you know, screaming and bleeding, trying to be a bit thrashy. And then there was one that was like a bit sort of like late eighties sort of melodic heavy rock or whatever, you know, and but I grew up just listening to that first Angel Witch record. Um, and yeah. so did Jim and so did Frederick. So like, you know, we, I think we were able to, not that we're even trying to pull Kevin into that thing. Cause it's just, I just think we're just the right support network around him for him to be able to do what comes naturally to him rather than having people in the band who would be just like, Oh, you know, maybe we should try, you know, maybe we should try and get some sort of trivium drum sound or something. Do you know what I mean? Just because, or something that's, you know, that they're listening to that's kind of current. Um, because you know, that can, that can then mess up the direction of a record and you can lose the focus of what it's all about you know um and so yeah i think we do keep it sounding very organic and old school and to right. the, the traditional formula of angel Witch. but i think that's more because the fact that you know it's sort of encouraging kev to do what's already in his head really 
yeah. um, and just the, the three fans. Yeah. And, you know, four fans. I mean, the guy that produced the record, James, he, he plays in this great band called The Gentleman's Pistols. They were friends of mine. And, and, and you know, he just is, you, you, you know, when you've got a guy upstairs who's got a couple of different pressings of the first Angel Witch album on vinyl. Right. In his, collect, in his collection up in his house where he lives above the studio, you know you're dealing with the right guy because he's just not going to accept like an oversaturated guitar tone or like, you know, let's try and, you know, let's try and trigger the drums up to sound like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> like you know machine head or something yeah yeah, <laughs> something, yeah. so you, you know. mentioned you mentioned jay jay is the producer what, what's his last name james 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 atkinson james oh okay james mm-hmm. what, what was it james atkinson atkinson cool now did, we don't was, call him atco because he's from the north and that's just that the way that they're uh the way they nickname each other oh uh, okay <laughs> i guess was he involved with the last record at all no not at all um I wish he had been. Um, at that point, he had a studio in Bradford then, but it was really quite small. And we recorded in London with a, a guy called um, Gomez, who's he's a friend of a friend of ours and everything. But he was more of an engineer, really, and less of a producer. You know, the good the good thing about Atco is he's got a, a real because he's a songwriter himself and a good guitar player and a great singer. Um, you know, he can say, "Well, oh, I really think you want to do that again." <laughs> and, right everyone will listen to him <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because there's a level of respect and a lot of time with engineers and it was just not the case with the last LP, but with other engineers you work with, they'll be very much like, you know, they're just trying to be that. They're just trying to be the producer. They're trying to flex, flex their muscles, you know, um, not necessarily doing it for the song. And so we sort of approached this whole thing where every song, you know, everything we did was for the, for the benefit of the song and the benefit of the listener, you know? So, you know, maybe a guitar solo got cut in half, or, you know, maybe, you know, we didn't milk the chorus as much as we'd like because we all really liked it. We'd like to play it twice, but we decided no, you know? Yeah. Um, and so there was a lot of that kind of going on. I mean, the songs are, are pretty long, but um, they don't feel it, you know? Right on. Now, you mentioned your record label, and I know now the album Angel of Light is going to be released, at least in, in this country, uh, America it's, oh, it's, through Metal, it's Blade, Metal Blade, right? World, it's, all, it's Metal Blade Worldwide, yeah. Okay. And and then how does your label play into Angel Witch? Well, I have – I mean, on, on like I say, on this instance, I, I, I'm not actually um, doing anything via my label, which is called Bad Omen Records, but um, I'm using my – office to uh to to mail out on this uk mail order oh okay uh just purely because you know um well it helps the band a bit better and metal played a call with that you know um and it it makes helps us you know grow the band camp and all that stuff that we're all very keen on um but uh we've done uh we did a re-release of the 1970s demos via bad omen Although, you know, we set up a little angel witch sub-label called Extermination Day. Oh, cool. Um, and what happened with that was we'd uh, – there was a really big, uh, a terrible fire in the summer of 2017 at this uh, tower block called Grenfell Tower. Um, and, and like 78 people lost their lives. Oh, my um, God. And – we sort of woke up in the morning sort of seeing that news. You know, me and Kevin and London guys and, and, and Jim's – lived in London for like 17 years we were just like all kind of horrified so what we did is we just put the digital files of these 1970s demos the 78 and 79 demos that Kevin did um, and we just sort of gave them away for whatever he wanted to pay 
and gave all the money to charity wow, on Bandcamp. Cool. And then people just started asking if we put it out on vinyl. So we ended up just putting it out on vinyl, you know, which, you know, I hasten to add that didn't go to charity. Um, we never made a claim that it did, but sometimes people kind of go, oh, it's really good that you sold that vinyl for charity. Well, we, we didn't. We still raised, you know, a couple of thousand pounds for Grenfell Tower, but, um, yeah, the LP was just the LP, really. And that kind of effectively helped us write this album because we were um, – we were, uh, um, uh, you know, able to fly the drummer in from Sweden and everyone get together in London and have a hotel right. and all that sort of stuff. So we were kind of able to get to a point where we had all the songs written and we'd done a demo. Um, we hadn't even nailed down the offers for yeah. the labels yet, you know, uh, and we just kind of knew that uh, we could sort of hold out for the best, the best deal. Cool. So the the last the last record was was Metal Blade too, but it sounds like you guys signed a new deal for for this current record. The the last record was Rise Above. Oh, it was Rise Records, Above, okay. which only came out in America via Metal Blade. Okay. Um, and I worked at Rise Above, and I was, was partner in the company actually for about eighteen years. Um, and you know, so when we got when Kevin got the band back together, he had contacted us and sort of said hey do you know i'd like to do a record would you be interested in doing a record and we we're like yeah of course you know so we said we'd do a record and they said do you know any musicians i'm like yeah hello right, right. <laughs> you know? right. Yeah. <laughs> i know a bass player um and uh and it was a kind of a bit like that it was sort of throwing, it was i feel that that lineup was a little bit sort of thrown together with like you know the gang you right. know right our, our, like our circle you know yeah um, but then there's still, you know, I mean, uh, Frederick, our, our drummer now, who's been in the band for a couple of years, he um, he was in Witchcraft, who were, who were on Rise Above. Right. Oh, okay, cool. So, yeah. And then, yeah, b- before Jim was in the band, we had Bill Steer on, on guitar. Yeah, I was going to ask you if, you if you hear much from Bill, because he was doing live oh, stuff yeah, with you guys, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he, I mean, we, we, we hear it for each other a lot. And, you know, he's been... You know, uh, he was in the Gentleman's Pistols with Akko, the producer, and still is, actually. Oh, cool. Um, although they're not really that active because Carcass is incredibly active. Right. Um, and, uh, and you know, yeah, so, you know, we, yeah, we're all, we're all still pretty tight. You know, I mean, Bill loved – it was great when he was in the band, but, you know, when he reformed Carcass, that's his band, you know, and, yeah. uh, and they just – they did an album, man. They just never seemed to stop touring. <laughs> right on, right on. It looks, you know, I I, I fear for him because you know it's uh, it just never seems to stop. From you know, there, you go. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of touring, Angel Witch, what is the the plan for you guys moving forward? Uh, well, we're we're going to be touring. We're going to be trying to get as many European festivals as we can, um, as well as actual touring. Uh, at, whether or not we're going to come to America is a Oh, Kevin's got some hoops that we need to jump through. Yeah, I know um, he had some problems getting over here yeah, a number of years and it's, back. Yeah. It's kind of not easy at the very specifically at this current time. There are a lot of people getting visas denied for no real reason. And it's just yeah. the, 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 the environment's situ- become a little bit yeah, yeah, it's become a little yeah. bit more hostile. Yeah. And uh you know we could overturn it, but we don't know how much money it will cost us. I've got an idea of it. And, you know, there's a hell of a lot of touring we'd have to do to just, just to, to right pay here. that back, yeah. you know, um, and uh, never say never, you know, 
but because um, it's certainly a lot closer than it was. I mean, the amount of times you know you get like Maryland Death Fest or whatever make you an offer, and then right. you know you hear from like the Decibel guys or whatever. And I'm just sick of saying no to festivals in America. But there's nothing I can nothing I can do. Yeah, you know. Um, we've played Canada a few times, a couple of times, and we're going to go back and try and actually tour across the whole top. You know, oh, so cool. if anyone's anywhere near the border, then at least they can, you know, make a weekend of it or whatever and come see us. Oh yeah, um, man, we we always uh, we drive up for or sometimes even fly up to Heavy Montreal each, each yeah. year. It's a great festival. Um, and we played Montreal in 2015, I think. Oh, cool. It's ripping. Yeah, we didn't play. We didn't play Heavy Montreal. We played a quite a small club there as a festival called Wings of Metal, and uh, yeah, it was great. It was like sold out in advance, and. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just really cool, really great, great weekend, actually. Awesome. Cool. Well, Canada has been really nice to us, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Great, uh, great town. Uh, Montreal is a great town and a very, very big metal scene there. And yeah. in, in Canada in general, the the, uh, the fans love the heavy rock. So Yeah, well, we played in Toronto like on a Wednesday night. What we did is we just got a stopover in Toronto and we were flying down to Chile. Ah. And uh, we played like a Wednesday night in Lee's Palace in Toronto, and it's like a—I think it's like—it's like a 500 capacity club, you know. And it was basically so, you know, right, well. the promote the promoter said you can say that that's a sold sold out gig, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And the promoters always—they're never—they're always complaining. They're never happy. So he was happy, um, and it was wild, yeah. Um, and uh, and that was like a Wednesday night, you know. So wow. Yeah, I mean, so I think we're going to come back and just try and get across the whole country, really. That would be awesome. And, of course, it would be even cooler if you could get to America, but we will uh, see well, what I mean, happens look, with that. You know, I mean, but it's not off the list. Right. Um, you know, there's a few, you know, we what, first we have to deal with, with Kevin's stuff, and then once we've done that, then we just have to deal with the handling, just the straight-up P1 visas. But, I mean, I know a few people who've had um, their P1 visas. Oh, my friend Chris, who's in, in Orange Goblin here, I mean, he, 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 he just – they just hit him with all this extra stuff that like they'd, they'd submitted three months up front and all that stuff. But the, the upshot was that he didn't get his visa back till after their tour was over. So he, mm. he had to, and his passport. So he was right. sitting there in England while they, while the band had to get on a plane, um, and play with a drummer that they'd hooked up out there. Um, and because, you know, you can't get your, you can't get refunds on your flights. You can't get all that stuff back. It would bankrupt a band if they didn't get on those planes. Yeah. Know? Yep. Um, and what? We'd go out there and play without Kevin. Yeah, you can't. I mean, do that. that'd be yeah. just it's a be... joke, man. Yeah. No, I hear you for sure. You know, we could we could replace. We could play with one with one guitar if Jim couldn't come. We could get a different bass player. You know, find someone who can play the drums. You know, it wouldn't be the same, but it would be a band. You know. Right. Right on. Right. But you know, Kev's. Yeah, that's the issue there. So, but but. You know, it's. I mean, I've been speaking to attorneys and stuff, so you never know. Okay, all right. We'll keep just us don't hold your breath. That's all I say. <laughs> right, right. I got you. I got you. And again, we are completely psyched for the new Angel Witch record out by Metal Blade. It comes out uh, November first, and it is Angel of Light. There's currently a song up there on Amazon Music and iTunes. Don't turn your back, which sounds just great, and I cannot wait for the full, the full album. Will, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. And you. Best of luck to you, and keep us posted on uh, any North American tour dates. I will do. Okay. You Lovely. take care Thank now. you. Yeah, you Thank bet. You. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Nobody else can see you the same way as myself. Fly high, touch the sky, you're the angel I adore. 
classic Angel Witch right there. The song Angel Witch. I've played that on Talking Metal before, and I couldn't find the MP3 on any of my hard drives, but I know I've played that song on this podcast many years ago. But uh, I went and I re-downloaded it from Amazon Music, which is what I'm digging. I, I like that I do the streaming thing with Amazon Music, and I like that they have this option to play the music in a higher quality and I was I was hesitant I was like is it really going to sound different for you know three dollars extra a month and it does it does it sounds better I'm not sure what they do but there's a some songs I don't notice any difference at all but other songs I I notice an absolute difference uh, when I stream them in this higher quality. Now, I don't think Apple Music has this yet or Spotify. I know uh, Tidal apparently does, but is that what it's called? Tidal? Yeah. But uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, Amazon Music. I'm enjoying it. I, You know, I was on Spotify for years and I'm very now comfortable with that Spotify uh, interface. So I feel the Amazon Music I'm still getting used to, even though I've been on it for probably five months at this point. It's it's not quite as is is user friendly to me as Spotify, but it is good. And again, I think the music it sounds great on there. So it's uh, there you go. I'm on Amazon Music for now. <laughs> we'll see. I just got a, a, a new iPhone, so maybe I'll the iPhone 11. Maybe I'll jump over to Apple Music since they are offering three months free. We'll see. Anyways, yeah, that song we heard, Angel Witch by Angel Witch. Thanks to Will Palmer for. You know, keep an angel witch going and flying the flag high. Looking forward to their new music. Hope they can get over here to the States. It sounds sounds iffy, though, from that interview, I would say. All right, so without further ado, let's get into my interview with Wes from Puddle of Mud. Right now, off the new Puddle of Mud album, this is You Don't Know.
this is Mark Striegel, and calling in, we have Wes Scanlon from Puddle of Mud. Wes, how are you, man? Doing great. Thank you. That's great to hear, man. And I got to tell you, I've been listening to Welcome to Galvania for the last week, man, and loving a lot of these tunes. All great stuff. Sunshine, time of uh, our lives is amazing. I really love the uh, My Kind of Crazy, great song. Uh Uh-oh, so much great stuff on this. And one thing is clear, I mean, you haven't put out any original music in 10 years, but your songwriting skills are still top-notch. You're such a great songwriter, man. How, how, how did you learn to songwrite? <laughs> um, I, you know, when I was a kid, I was in, uh, I just rehearsed, I practiced, you know, my guitar in the basement of my parents' house, and my I was trying to do these, like, Eddie Van Halen solos. I was trying to figure out how to play all these Van Halen songs when I was, like, you know, 11, 12 years old. And I couldn't get it, like, I couldn't, I, you know, I was nowhere near Eddie Vedder's, like, you know, professional, amazing guitar work. And, you know, um, so my mom came downstairs and said, hey, Wes, you know, you should just write your own song, son. Wow. And I was like, okay. She's like, you're not really, you know, you're not really, you know, you're not, you're not able to play like this man. So just write your own songs, you know? So it was it was because you couldn't like, you didn't well, have those shredder chops that that it kind of defaulted to songwriting. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't like I couldn't like I just couldn't solo that you know that great. I was trying to learn how to play Spanish Fly, you know, by Eddie Van Halen. And, yeah, and, Van Halen too. Yeah. You know, and I and there you know Van Halen is the is the main reason that I wanted to become a, a you know a songwriter anyway and an artist you know and try to you know, be a rocker, you know, and do that for, you know, the rest of my life. So I commend them for, you know, you know, their awesome, uh, their awesome song, songwriting stuff and everything they do. So that's the whole, that's the whole reason I'm even doing this stuff is because of Van Halen, man. Nice. Nice. And when you sit down to write a song, do you think song structure or do you just kind of let the emotion take over? What, what is your songwriting process? The emotion take over part. Yeah. I, I kind of like to do it like late at night when everybody's asleep, so I don't got to deal with anybody's like you know, um, you know, you know, they're they're you know kind of the way they look at the song. I, I'd rather just you know just write by myself late at night, get the gist of the idea, and just go with the flow. A really good fight with your girlfriend really uh, really <laughs> helps. <laughs> right on. Well, I was going to ask you because obviously you've had some some. Uh crazy times i guess we could say over the last 10 yeah. years and and does that play into the songwriting it does yeah you know there's a there's a lot of emotions um when you're in a relationship with somebody and um you know it just kind of fuels a really great a really great you know way of writing you know Right on, right on and the guitar you know songwriting aside your guitar sounds are always so thick big what what type of guitar gear do you actually use um you know what the studios that we you know do records in um they have like you know a, they have a ton of guitars a ton of amplifiers anywhere from like you know marshall heads to you know marshall half stacks and then they switch it to like a like an orange you know company head we know that company and then switch to like a fender so there's a lot of different dynamics and and you know there's a lot of different guitars that are used from like fender stratocasters or telecasters and gibsons and um you know the 
the thickening one is like it's called a um a a, a, a bass tone or something like that it's hmm. like a, the strings on the on the guitar are like you know they're like they're thick. almost like as thick as bass strings you wow. know yeah right yeah on. and do you do like a standard tuning or you drop down like what what is your we're, general tune yeah we're we're gonna I'm, I'm usually going down like a half step whole step so we're like 440 half step down and then um if the songs are in 440 they're a half step down and then we and then what i do is i tune my high e string to c sharp and i also oh, wow. tune but yeah you add that in there it makes it a lot you know a lot thicker cool cool and you guys are currently you're currently out on tour right or you're about to go out on tour yeah, I'm in Bend. Um, I'm in Bend, Oregon, right now. Got here last night. I'm just chilling in my room and uh, sitting here fiddling around with the guitar, trying to, you know, clean it up a little bit. There's a lot of sweat on these. <laughs> on I, know. The guitar. I know you're coming through our neck of uh, the woods on the 11th. You'll be in Poughkeepsie, New York. The 12th, you'll be at Debonair Music Hall in New Jersey, Teaneck, New Jersey. I hope to be at that show. And Killer. what can the fans expect on this tour? Is it you guys are headlining, right? Yeah, we. Um, you know what? We all do vocal warmups together. We're you know we're a really solid group of guys, and we all get we all get along like tremendously well, which is awesome. And uh, you know we're just. We're just trying to perform the songs as close as possible with a little bit of flair, a little bit of ambiance, you know, a little bit of improvisation. It's just, you know, just, and, you know, really focus on playing and singing well, you know, for the crowd. Right on. And new songs, a lot of new songs in the set list or, or not really? Well, we got a big set list. Um, so we have Otto in there now and we're working on, um, like sunshine and, and we're going to be doing my, my kind of crazy, um, you know, so we're, uh, we got a lot of songs, man. Very cool. And, you know, like back to the songwriting thing, do you do much songwriting with other artists? Because, you know, there's so many like songs on this, this new record. And I'm like, wow, I could even hear like a young pop star doing this one. Or, you know, I can envision your songs uh, being sung by other artists too. So is that something you work on with other singers and songwriters? This whole the whole record um, was co-written, you know, with other people and stuff. So, um, so yeah, it would some of it would come off as like a little, a little bit like what you just said, because um, I wasn't the main 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 writer on right. Okay, on this album, completely the main writer. Right, and is that is that a change for you? Were you were you in the past the the sole writer of a lot of the songs? It's always been a co-writer pretty much deal, you know. I like bouncing ideas off of people. I like giving credit where credit's due. And, uh, you know, I get that same respect back for when, you know, songs do get split up and stuff like that. So, um, you know what? A hook is a hook and a hit is a hit, you know what I'm saying? Right David Geffen said it best, you know. You never really know you have a hit until it becomes a hit. Right on. Right on. Hey, can you talk a little bit about your your work that you have done with Jerry Cantrell of Allison Chains? You know, I've I've never worked with him um, songwriting. I've I've kind of performed. You know, just a couple performance of, based stuff. Just performance stuff. Yeah. I mean, I the the thing the connection with uh, you know Allison Chains and Jerry and Lane and everybody was like when I was first starting to sing um, when I, when Puddle Mud was being created. 
um, I would basically just put this, the CD on and just sing right along with the whole record of dirt and, um, you know, other like jar of flies and, um, you know, sap. And that was kind of like a learning thing for me, you know, right. as a singer. Right on. But you did do some playing live with him. Yeah, I've I've only played live with Jerry at the, the Tsunami Benefit in uh, in Seattle. You know, oh, that was okay. like, yeah, you know, a little that was a decade ago. Right on, right on. It's cool. not longer. Right, right. And a lot of times, the puddle of mud is referred to as post grunge. How do how do you like that label or tag? Is that something you dig or or not so much? I, I think it's you know it's it's close. Maybe classic post grunge super rock I don't right. know. <laughs> <I'm sure. laughs> okay. have some soup and rock and roll at the same time right on cool man and so what does the future hold for you guys Look, looking into like 2020 and beyond stay healthy keep touring uh write a record a lot faster than get it you know get an, another record out there before you know 10 years pass by again right on very cool that's great news and you know, uh, what has it been for you now? A, a year or two sober? Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's a little over two. Well, congratulations. That's great news, and we wish you the best of health. And please keep delivering this great music to us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Everything's so everyone's so
Lurie, some classic puddle of mud going way back to 2001 off the Come Clean album, which was released August 28th, 2001. Long time ago at this point. Wow, time goes by fast. You know, craziness, craziness. Great talking with Wes. Uh, You know, I've always been kind of a casual fan of Puddle of Mud, so the best of luck to him. I hope he uh, stays clean and keeps delivering some new music or, or, you know, keeps writing and delivering new music to us, if that makes any sense. Right now, let's get into some outlaw country. This is uh, Sturgill Simpson. I know nothing about this guy. Sorry. Sturgill Simpson. Uh, But this is a request from one of our dear friends on Patreon. And if you want to get requests in and support what we do here on Talking Metal, go to Patreon. Sean from Patreon requesting this one. Sturgill Simpson, fastest horse in town. Again, for Sean. Here we go.
y'all listen to me? This is what I want. I want a gift card from God. Keep, keep it off. I want a gift card from God. All right, Sean. Interesting pick. Definitely a little outside of what we usually uh, play here on Talking Metal, but I, I thought it was cool. It was aggressive, man. Felt real. You know, good one, Sean. I know, Sean, you said you might have to leave Patreon for a bit due to financial uh, woes. Listen, I get that better than anybody. Uh, so I hope you can rejoin us on Patreon at some point. And there you go. A little Sturgill Simpson for Sean, who is uh, was a patron on Patreon. I appreciate the support you've given us, Sean. And please come back and join us there again real soon. And on that note, we are going to end today's podcast and again just a little bit more on on patreon if you join me there you get a bonus podcast every friday that you can get that podcast with it as little as a two dollar a month donation like that's nothing man my tall coffee from starbucks each morning is two dollars give me a break Come on, guys, join me there. $5 a month, I'll, I'll also send you out a Talking Metal t-shirt. I do put up some additional content and posts along. Victor helps me out with the Patreon page. Check it out, you know, even if you just want to poke around, you know, give us $5 a month donation and, and see how it goes. And if you're not into it, then quit, you know. You don't have to stay on there month after month. But, uh, yeah, I'd love to see you guys there, okay? Thank you for joining me on this epic episode of Talking Metal. Ozzy Osbourne, we hope you get well soon. Sad to hear you had to cancel the uh, the tour for your Europe with Judas Priest or postpone it. I'm praying you don't have to cancel the United States one in the summer. I got third row, Madison Square Garden. Yeah, man, looking forward to that show, Ozzy, in June. I hope you're well enough to to do it. And you know, your health first, though, man. Health first. Um, yeah, so God bless Ozzy Osbourne, right? Here we go. This is uh, Live Ozzy, Miracle Man, a song I'd love to hear back in the set list. You know, I know Zach hints at it a little bit here and there instrumentally, but I'd love to hear a, a full version of this. This is off the Just Say Ozzy live release, and it is Miracle Man by Ozzy Osbourne to take us out here on Talking Metal. Talk to you next time, guys. <laughs> <laughs>